Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let all the glad people rejoice in the Lord. Come on, make me feel at home. Give God some praise. It feels good in here. If you would just do it a little louder, I'd really feel good. Come on, let's give God our best praise. Shout unto God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in my eyes. I'm excited to be here today. Eric's been talking about wildfires. And the thing about wildfires is that they are uncontrollable. Uh, and it takes a lot to get them under control. And our praise should be uncontrollable. There are some things that the enemy brings our way. He's attacking us in various ways. But how many of us know that the garment of praise overtakes the spirit of heaviness? So if you're heavy this morning, I just want you to give God your best praise. Come on, tell the Lord thank you. Come on, give him your best praise. In spite of all that we're going through, I'm excited to give God praise. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Come on, lift your hands. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of sharing here at Common Ground Northeast. And God, we need to be on fire for you. God, you've called us. You've blessed us. You've worked in our lives. And yet, God, now we're examining what would a tactical approach look like? to igniting our fires. Thank you for bringing this back on our radars, that as we've been blessed, God, you're calling us to be a blessing. And so now, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight today. This we believe you for. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be here again. Would you do me a favor? Give God a praise one more time. <clears throat> Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm so glad to be here with my brother and friend, Pastor Eric Thien, Lady Emily, and all of you. I, I feel comfortable today, so I'm just going to get right to the Word of God. I'm excited to preach on this topic. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, um, we have these words in the New International Version. And as for you, look at your neighbor and say, yes, you. That wasn't good enough. Look at them and say, yes, you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time, all of us gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly and the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that uh, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For again, it is by grace that you have been saved, and it is through faith, and that it is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do just for a few minutes today. I want to talk to you 
about this subject. Yeah, but are they still breathing? I believe that that's exactly God's standard. When he determines, is he going to invest? Is he going to send you and is he going to send me? Those of us who have benefited from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When God wants uh, you and I to be in action and to have work and to go out and engage people, the only standard God has is, yeah, but are they still breathing? So watch this today. I, I, I try to be a good father. Uh, my wife and I have five kids. I don't know if I am or not, but I did get a barbecue grill for Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those barrel grills, man, like, like the fire's on the bottom. And I've never used it, but I'm going to break it out today. Uh, and whenever you do a cookout and you're trying to... Uh, Put that asparagus on there. Any asparagus fans in the room today? <laughs> Man, I got to have that asparagus. And, and you had that selected meat. You know, nothing can happen unless you get the fire right. And until you get those coals right, nothing can happen. And, it, uh, you know, when you do a fire, when I start a fire today, not all the coals have to be on fire. When you start a fire, you just need one or two of them to catch. And the key to it is connection. That even if you can get a few of them to, to be on fire, if you place them in such a manner that they're connected to one another and you're willing to wait, how many of us understand that eventually they'll all catch on because they are connected? You see, we can go from cold to combustible if we're connected. And in our evangelism, and in our work for the Lord, the key to it is just being connected. Pastor Eric has been challenging us in the area of evangelism. And he's been tactical and he's given us some practical tools that would help you and I to be ignited and help us to get out there and be hot, as he says, <laughs> and doing the work and spreading God's love. And you and I need to be hot as we will discover the key Here's my take on evangelism. The key to evangelism and telling others about the love of Jesus Christ and letting them feel the love of Jesus Christ, in my estimation, it can all be summed up in one word. And that word is connection. That word is connection. That when you and I allow the God of the universe to use our willingness to be connected with those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who haven't felt his love, those who don't know about his saving grace. It is our willingness to come outside of our comfort zones and establish connections. I'm going to take everybody to school. I'm going to give you a definition of connection. What does it mean to have a connection? I don't know if we have a slide up here or not. Here's connection. Connecting with others is a sense of being. I think we got it there. There's a blank. What would you put in that blank? Connecting to others. Here's the school part about it. <laughs> Connecting with others is a sense of being. Somebody shout out. What would you put in that blank? Related. Okay. Anybody else? What are some of the key elements of connection? What would you put in that blank? Connecting with others is a sense of being blank to another person. 
Late? Okay. Being close to another, that's really good. Being close. Empathetic. Empathetic. That's really good. That's the next slide. You're ahead of me. <laughs> You're too good, actually. <laughs> you got my notes, didn't you? <laughs> Connecting with others. Transparent. Is this good? It's really good. Really good. Really good. The definition of being connected says that connecting to others, the key ingredient is being open and available. That connecting with others is a sense of being open and available to another person. His key, even as you feel, they are open and available to you. Let me give you the key ingredient. Now, there's a sense of reciprocity in here, though, uh, when they're open and available to you. And what we'll find out is that we're more comfortable connecting with people who are willing to connect with us, who are also open and available to us. There's a sense of reciprocity in that first definition. I'm going to give you this key one as well. But what we will find is that that's not God's mandate. It's that God is open to people who are not open to him. And as believers in Christ, and as those who would be on fire for Jesus Christ, he's going to send us to some people and some places uh, where people are not necessarily open to us. What we look like, what our history is, what our culture is. And yet God still requires for you and I to show his love in those places. That ne- the standard uh, for the believer is not necessarily reciprocity. Key ingredients of human connection are, somebody help me right there. She's already said one of them, right? What would you think the key ingredient for human connection is? It's two of them. Let me just make this easy. Somebody shout out one. Empathy. Right, like she just said it, right? It is empathy and compassion. That the key ingredients of human connection are empathy and compassion. When we have an ability to go outside of ourselves and have a sense of goodwill for someone else and have a concern for their well-being. Here's the working premise of my sermon. That whenever you and I establish and maintain godly connections, we will all experience natural and spiritual progression. Let me get back to the text. In our text today, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul highlights the connection that God maintains with his children, even when you and I did not deserve it. You see, in Ephesians 2, Paul talks about a God who is, yes, open and available, while also being empathetic and compassionate to people whose faith were not placed in him, to people who were not regarding him, to people who were in a bad season. And yet, does anybody rejoice that when we find ourselves in those places, God still maintains a connection with us. He loves us in spite of us. And for here for just a few minutes, I'm going to give you five principles from the text that will help you and I to be on fire for God. And that if we do these five things, and if we recognize these five things in the text, we can be the type of person that Pastor Eric's been preaching about over the past three weeks. Here's five principles from the text that produce wildfires and that will cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread and cause you and I to be to run a leg on that relay. 
Number one is condition. You see, what, what, what Paul uh, highlights in Ephesians chapter 2 is that these are people who had a disfavorable condition. And the Bible says that all of us, though, had this condition. We were all in this condition. We all had this experience. The Bible says that he's quickened us and made all of us alive who were dead in our transgressions and sins. Where in times past, we all walked according to the course of this world. All of us had bad conversation. We were by nature the children of wrath, and we all fulfilled the desires of the flesh. And when the enemy of our souls goes to God and says, look at their rap sheet. Why would you love them? Why would you send your son to save them? Look at, the, look at, look at who they are. They're not worthy of your love. They're not worthy of this investment. They're not worthy of this blood. God, look at their sheep. They're dead in their sins. They walk according to the course of this world. And when God wants to bless us, the enemy puts this in God's face. And God's standard is, yes, it may be true of them. This may not be their stellar season. They may be underachieving. But my standard is, yes, but are they still breathing? Because when you and I are still breathing, God is still investing in us. And as believers, when we see people who don't measure up to our standards, and we would diss them, and we would shun them, and we would walk on the other side of the street, we would want no part of them. God would say to us, yes, but are they still breathing? And if they're still breathing, I still love them. I still want to bless them. I still want to heal them. I still want to move in their lives. And I need you to operate with my same standard. Don't walk across the street. I know they're broken, but they're still breathing. That's the standard. God says, yeah, man. But are they still breathing? I was going to help one of uh, my loved ones. And they had fallen way off the pace in life. And they were struggling. And I went uh, to kind of hang out with them. And I, I didn't really want to. And uh, they were doing bad. And, and when, I, when I went over, they were asleep. And I walked in the room. And all I could hear was them breathing. And God says, if they're still breathing, you still have a chance. And the reason you're here is because I want to heal them. I want to lift them. If they're not dead, I'm not finished. I need you to agree with me. I need you to get over yourself. I need you to get past yourself. Because God's standard is not our standard for other people. God's standard is simply this. Yeah. But are they still breathing? Number two, so the first one is condition. We all share that condition. And the second one is, if we're wanting to be on fire for God, that when God saw people in this condition, he maintained a connection with them. And then number two, he took an action. And the Bible says, all of this was true. And it is into this, this brokenness and this pain that God stepped in. And the Bible says, somebody rejoice with me. But God. 
And it's right there that God says, you know what? Nobody else thinks you're worthy, but I think you're worthy. Nobody else thinks you're worth it, the time and the investment. It is right there that God took an action. He stepped in, the Bible says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. Because when God sees brokenness, he doesn't walk on the other side of the street. He maintains a connection, and then he, he employs an action. And this is the one I love. This is the one I love. This is number three. That that person that was broken, that that person that was hurting, uh, God maintains a connection. He performs an action, and then he gives them another position in life. <laughs> Look at what the Bible says. That, that, that this is the person, and God has raised us up together. That God did not leave us there. That God did not walk on the other side of the street. That when God saw what we thought was disfavorable and unlovable, God said, I'm going to apply my blood. I'm going to give my love to that circumstance. And then whatever God touches can be healed. Whatever God touches can be loved. Whatever God touches can be lifted. And if you look at them next week, if you look at them next year, somebody rejoice with me. They'll be in a better position. And he's made us sit together in heavy places. He gave us a promotion. He changed our positioning. And those that we look down on, now we have to look up to whenever God is involved. So, so here we are. So um, we had a condition. We were broken. And I may be talking to somebody this morning. I want to put this in. That you look good today. But at home, you have a condition. <laughs> you came to church to common ground this morning. And she saw Eric up here jamming. Eric was jamming. Well, like, hey, <laughs> Eric, Eric was getting it in. I was impressed. I didn't know he had it like that. He's, he's about it. He's about it. Huh? And you're here. And you're struggling. And you have a condition. And even though you look good, you still need God. To make an action, employ an action on your behalf. Behind the smiles. And God is not afraid, I should say, of what's really wrong with you. He wants to lift you to another spiritual position, a position of healing. You say, Pastor, I'm breathing. And maybe you're here and you're breathing, but you're not doing much more. I want to pray for you today. So he lifts us to another position. We had a condition. God maintained a connection, employed in action, and now uh, uh, I'm just going to say it. Uh, as the notorious B.I.G. would say, doing better now. Gucci sweater now, right? <laughs> you, you, you're doing better now. You're balling. Uh, so now you've got a different position. And here's where it turns the corner, Pastor Eric. Then God gives you insight to the global plan, the universal plan. Number four is projection. God says, here's what I'm trying to accomplish in the land. I want to put you on my team, but I got to give you 
kind of the team agenda. And, 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 and here's the global plan. I lifted you and I want to lift everybody. And so number four is projection that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. This is why I lifted you. This is why I elevated you. This is why when other people dogged you and walked past you and didn't think you were worthy, I still did. Because I'm on a global mission. And I want to save all of humanity. Number four is this projection that you and I are now privy to. We understand what God is doing in the land. It's a movement. It's not an isolated incident. It's the grace of God. It's the universal grace of God that is moving on behalf of all of his children. And you and I have to be able to catch the fire and catch the vision that God is doing a global work. And then number five is inclusion. That when I found you in a condition and maintained a connection, I took an action out of my love and out of my grace, and now you're doing better. And now you have insight into what I'm trying to do globally. It's to invite you to be a part of it. That you can go from condition to inclusion. And in fact, I, the reason that I, I maintained a connection is that I always hoped you'd be a part of it. And now, wait a minute, you are uniquely qualified because you too had a condition. And now you understand that there go I except for the grace of God. That nobody's any better than anyone else. What represents the difference? It's just the grace of God. And when you understand that it's not you, it's not your education, it's not your intellect, it's not your talent, it's simply the grace of God, you might be more willing to go back in and help your brother. I, I want to tell you a story, and then I'm going to get out of here. Uh, uh, a few years ago, I coached a basketball team. My oldest son, uh, Kenneth, played basketball. I was his coach and several people on the team. There was uh, a family, a, a white family, uh, Mary, Brad, Jimmy, and Henry. Uh, Jimmy played on the team, and Mary was kind of the team mom, and they, they were all real cool. And we, we developed over the years that our sons played together, kind of a family atmosphere. And so about three years into our relationship, one Friday night in 2009, before Mother's Day, I was at our church because we had a roof leak. <laughs> and I was, had to shout back, cleaning up this water. <laughs> and I get a call from Mary saying, Ken, now I wasn't their pastor. They, they knew me as coach, but we, we were very close and connected. They're watching now, in fact. Uh, she's like, Henry's in the hospital, and he's not doing well. It's one of their sons, not the one who played for me, Jimmy. So I dropped the shot back like any good pastor would, right? <laughs> and I run to St. Vincent's Hospital on West 86th Street in Indianapolis. And there I am in the middle of this setting, right? Like, like an hour ago, I never dreamed. This is the last person I, I thought I'd be. And yet that's the life of the pastor. So I'm there in the middle of it. And we're praying. And we understand this prognosis is not very good. But we, we had all agreed to trust God. So that's Friday night. And then 
I think that's the 8th of May or something. Then, and then after church that following Sunday on Mother's Day, my heart goes out to Mary because we're, we're really close. And I decide after church to go back to St. Vincent's Hospital to visit her because who would want to go through this on Mother's Day? And, and whatever my presence could mean, I, I just wanted to throw something at it. But what I kind of, when I get there, Mary's not there. So now, of course, I'm off the hook, right? <laughs> so I can just go do my thing. I can just, I'll say, hey man, I tried, right? You know, I tried, tried to be a good pastor, tried to be a good friend. So I'm on my way to the elevator and Mary's not there. And I did go in and visit with Henry, but Mary's not there. It's the ICU, St. Vincent's Hospital. And so before I can get on the elevator, God says to me, Mary's not here, but what about all of these other people in the ICU at St. Vincent's? And I was like, God, hold up, you are tripping. Please don't. Come on, God, you are tripping. He says, no. I want you to go around and ask all these people, can you pray for them? I'm like, God, God, hold up, we got to negotiate, we got to talk here. Because I don't know them, and they don't know me. Can I be a thousand percent transparent with the church? Everybody in the ICU that day that I saw waiting was white, and I wasn't. <laughs> and I wasn't really comfortable, man, right? Like, like, here's what I know about the ICU. If you're there or your loved one's there, you're very serious. And God says, I'm telling you, because you're hot, I need you to go pray for all of these people. So I go into this corner and contemplate. It's, I understand that God requires this of me, and he understands that I do not want to do it. But he, he, he wins. So I'm trying to, here's, here's, here's my big dilemma. How do I approach him? Like, how do I do it? I'm not particularly good at, at hospital ministry. Like, I'm going through all the reasons why I shouldn't do this. God's like, I require this of you. So I go in the corner and I give him a little speech and I come out and I say, oh, okay, God, at 205, I'm going to do it. Okay, God, at 207, I'm there, right? <laughs> like 207. 215, I'm all the way in, God, right? Because I don't have the nerve to do this. So I give him a little speech together and I just walk up to a family. And I say something like, uh, hey, excuse me, don't mean to bother you. I'm Pastor Ken Rush, and I'm just out here today and I was just wondering. I know you're here with your loved ones, supporting your loved ones. Is there anything I could do to be a blessing to your family and you know, if I might pray for you or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, if no, I'm hoping she says no, right? Like, like, no is really cool right now. It's cool, it's cool. Don't worry about it. I can handle it. No is preferred, actually. <laughs> and she says, sure, right? Like, like oh, shoot, now, whoa. So I'm going to make a long story short. Um, I'm black. They're all white. Like, well, I'm like, God, what's up? Black people don't get sick on Mother's Day. What's up? I don't know. <laughs> but nobody's black, and I am. Long story short, for two and a half hours, I ministered at St. Vincent's Hospital in the ICU, and nobody said no. <laughs> nobody said no. This one lady was so over the top 
She's like, oh, Pastor Ken, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I'm like, did we have an appointment? Because like, this is off the cuff. And she takes me to ground zero, to the bedside of her loved one, and introduces me to all of her family. And so here's how I know without question that that was God. Because two and a half hours later, when I finally found, felt a release from God to leave, I walked to the elevator, I pushed the button to go down, like, okay, God, are you happy, right? Like, and when the doors open, Mary comes off the elevator. The lady that I came to see initially walks off the elevator. And so it goes full circle, and I know that it is God. At the time, I had no understanding. It was in retrospect, looking back at that over time for years, that I came to understand God and evangelism. The, the Henry, this was May 10th, Henry would pass three days later, her son Henry. And so most of these people had low life expectancy. But God's requirement is, yeah, but are they still breathing? <laughs> and so when I would get to their bedside, it was just simply a matter of, are they still breathing? And over the years, I look at that, and why was it that I was so hesitant? Um, because I did not understand. There's a long list of reasons, my fear, you know, my, just the sense that I was not qualified, my inhibitions and all of that as I close. But because I didn't know them as people, I struggled to connect with them. And what I've learned since is if we look at people on the face value of who they are, or who we think they are, or who we think they should be, and whether or not we should engage them, we will miss God in that moment. We will totally miss God. You see, what God was teaching me was even when you don't know them, you know their condition. And the connection is not always to who they are and where they are. It is that we all share the same condition. I too have been in the ICU. And I understand that. And so if you have a human condition that you can connect to, it does not matter who the person is that's in that condition. Well, God bless you. That's the word of the Lord today. Come on, let's give God praise. I want to pray. I told you earlier I would pray. I want to thank God for this opportunity. Um, you and I should be on fire. And sometimes we're hot and sometimes we're not. But when we look at the work that God has done in our lives, and only you know where the Lord has brought you from, only you know what he's saving you from secretly, then that should be motivation. But today, if you're here and you look good, but everything's not good, I want to pray for you. If you have a particular need, I know this is a little different, this is how I flow, and you really want God to 
minister to your circumstance, would you just stand on your feet? Would you just lift your hands up toward heaven? God, we thank you for this day. When we lift our hands, it's the universal sign of surrender. God, I'm admitting that I have a condition. God, I have a position and I still have a disfavorable condition. And now, God, I need to be connected to you in a way that you will employ an action of love. I need healing. I need forgiveness. My marriage needs work. God, there are things that are happening in my life and my career. And now, God, here we are. And God, I thank you that you have always maintained a connection. I've always known that you were there. It's never been you. It's always been me. And yet, God, here I am. I lift my hands, a universal sign of surrender. And I'm simply saying that I surrender all. And I need your love. I need that love that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 2. I need that grace. I need to be a benefactor of that. I need healing in ways that nobody else knows. Only you know the tears. Only you know what I'm struggling with. Only you know the areas that I need healing and redemption in. And God, only you know where I need forgiveness. Would you touch us in a unique way? Would you let us feel your grace? Would you let us feel your love? Would you touch us one more time? And God, it is unquestionable that many times we have opportunities to show that we're connected to you just like those coals on the grill. God, you're hot and anything and anybody that's connected to you should be hot as well. And yet I admit this day that I am not. I should be. I could be. But I'm not. But I want to be. And now I know I need to be. God, would you make me hot? Would you restore my home? Would you restore my marriage? Would you restore my faith? Would you bless common ground? Would you bless Pastor Eric and Sister Emily? God, we want to be hot. We want there to be an uncontrollable spread of your love. And we want to be included in that. This we believe you for in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.